Revitalize at last. What does a revamp and revitalize Inter Miami side have what it takes to bounce back from last year's struggles and make the playoffs once again? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio, the number one and most listened to podcast on Inter Miami, a podcast that has been heard in more than 50 countries. If you're new here, well, we provide all the latest news, updates, inside information, analysis, opinions, and more on the team. My name is Franco Panizo. I am one-third of the hosting team of this podcast. The other two members, of course, are Steven Primo Brenner and Jose Cinco Armando. Guys, the season is a mere days away. I know that there's an excitement among the fan base. I know that we're excited as well to get going and start covering games that count for points in the standings. But first, before we jump into all of that and what is sure to be a jam-packed episode, how are you guys doing? We'll start with you, Jose. Hey, guys. I'm um, doing good. Very excited. I mean, just a few days. It's the start of a regular season. I think this is actually um, a, a restart for Inter-Miami. We can all agree on that. Um, maybe the s- second time we see this. But hopefully this time works, and um, I mean Phil and Chris, they they have put they have been able to put their hands on, on, on the team, and and we'll see how it goes. But no, definitely excited, a, a huge week. Um, happy to go to practice, a press conference, uh, all that. You know, just builds up a lot of excitement. Jose is such a soccer nerd like I am that when I ask him how he's doing, he talks with me about Inter-Miami. The entire podcast, we talk about Inter-Miami, but even when I ask him how he's doing, he talks about Inter-Miami. Steve, primo, how are you, my friend? Welcome back. You missed last week's pod, but how are you doing today? I'm I'm good. I'm imagining Jose wearing sort of like football-based pajamas or like (laughs) Inter-Miami pajamas or something. Is that that true? right? A little like Rip Van Winkle hat on with like you know, Bill <laughs> Neville's face. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I mean, now this is a busy. It's exciting, but it's you know busy time for writing previews and you know getting doing interviews. I was down at the stadium yesterday uh, talking to Phil Neville, DeAndre Yedlin. Um, you know, I'm freelance, so I'm writing five different previews for five different UK media and as well as AFP uh, news agency. So. Um, a lot of words, a lot of previews, and it just gets to the point. I think by the end, once I f- finally press the button on that final preview, I think it'll be nice just to, to in, yeah, sigh of relief and then just look forward to, to the, the matches starting. There's so much been talk, and we've been talking so much over the last few weeks. I think now, you know, it's a point where we just get to uh, get get to the action, get to the nitty gritty. Yeah, the week leading up to first kick is always amongst the busiest throughout the year, uh, especially on the media side. And obviously for club sides, you have to get everything ready. There's a lot of interest. It's one of the times in the year when there's, you know, peak interest in MLS and in MLS teams because it's the start of a, of a new chapter. And obviously Inter-Miami is starting a new chapter with a complete, almost completely new team, almost. And it's a much younger team. We've touched on it throughout preseason and we will continue to touch and dissect it on this pod. It's going to be a jam-packed episode because we're also going to touch on several other items regarding the team, including Gonzalo Higuain, Blaise Matuidi, all of all of the talking points or the big talking points about Inter-Miami heading into Saturday's season opener against the Chicago Fire. We will also give you our season predictions here on this pod. Today, we will put our hands to the flame and we'll see how it goes for us. We'll come back and assess at the end of the year. I'm going to actually add one more thing before we get going and it's that so that people know 
uh, because I don't want to interrupt the pod later on with this topic. But Jose Armando has backed out of the bet. He will not accept. What? He will not accept my conditions. So that's not true. Th- that's not true. We, I mean, we can talk it out well, here really no. quickly. But you, we, you know, yes. you, you don't want to accept the bet. That's fine. You don't want you. You don't want to accept twenty five out of thirty four starts for Ariel Lasseter. Well, listen. There's there's one thing that you just said that it is true. I would not accept your conditions because those are not the conditions that were established when we initially started this process. So that's the only reason. Twenty-two games. I gave you that last night, and you couldn't take it. No, so twenty-two yeah. games. Yeah. I went back and listened to the pod where we where this bet started in motion, and the bet was. Well, the initial talking point was whether Ariel Lasseter would be a regular starter on this team because I said he would not be a regular starter. He would be a spot starter occasionally, comes off the bench in other games, and you said you thought he would be a starter. So that's where the bet came from. Yes. So if you still think he's going to be a regular starter on this team, I'm not sure why you won't take the bet. I, I don't know why three games or four games in preseason that you're trying to count, which I think is ridiculous – but I don't know why you think that like it's not possible now for Ariel Lasseter to get 25 out of 34 starts. I'll even throw in Open Cup games. I've even told you I'll throw in Open Cup games. If he gets 25 out of 34 plus and playoff games, if they make the playoffs, then you win the bet. I've laid it out there. But you don't want to accept that. You want to count four appearances in preseason. But, you know, that's okay. That's all right. Just let yes, listeners I want to know. Count them. Okay, well then there's, yes. there is unfortunately no bet because Jose is clearly, clearly – shaken by the fact that he can't get those four four preseason games in his favor on this bet. So there's no bet, unfortunately, guys, which is unfortunate for you because we were going to do a giveaway of sorts, but maybe if you put pressure on Jose after this week, maybe we can revisit it. Oh, my can, God. Maybe I we cannot can believe you're it. doing this. Maybe we can revisit games. it. 22 games. I'll give you 22 games. I'm, I'm not going to allow you to break the rules. That's not rules. These aren't rules. I said 25 out of 34. You can rewind the tape. Anyway. 22 games. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there because we have plenty to talk about in terms of Inter-Miami on the field. So, guys... Let's get to it. Okay, guys, before we jump into what 2022 might bring for Inter-Miami, let's talk about what it already brought to Inter-Miami, and that is the first trophy, albeit a preseason one, in franchise history. Inter-Miami defeated expansion MLS side Charlotte FC on Saturday night in the 2022 Carolina Challenge Cup finale by a 2-1 mark. Goals from Leonardo Campana and Gonzalo Higuain before Christian McCoon, the former Inter-Miami player, scored a late, late penalty kick. That gives Inter-Miami, again, the first trophy in franchise history. Quickly, you guys, I'll start with you, Steve. What does it mean for the team that they won a piece of hardware in preseason? I mean, look, there's not going to be an open-top bus parade in Miami anytime soon, <laughs> or in the thought. But, I mean, you know, you look at the, on the, on the flip side, if they would have lost all three games in, in, Char- in Charleston, then we'd be saying, you know, it's a disaster or whatever. So, no, it's, it's all about breeding confidence. That's what uh, pre-season's about. You know, new systems, new players, all that, all that kind of stuff. Look, it, yeah, it's, it's, not the, it's not the biggest trophy. It won't really register too much, but it just... I think they had a good week. It sounds like they had a decent week there. A lot of good team bonding, you know, coming coming together. And, you know, we, we've mentioned it before. You, you go back to 12 months, rewind 12 months, and they were in a right mess. Didn't play barely any games uh, because of COVID, all that all that kind of stuff. So now they've got a proper preseason. And, um, you know, I spoke to, when I was speaking to Phil Neville yesterday, he obviously, he, he made the point, this is my team. This is our team. 
and they, they've, they've got no excuses now. And that this is, it's been a good start, end of. It's been a good start, but uh, let's see what happens on, on Saturday. They have to take that in, you know, and everything they've done. They've got to take it into Saturday because that, that's, that's it's a cliche, but that, that's when it counts. Jose, what are your thoughts on Inter-Miami's Cup win, which you said you called it on last week's show that we would be talking about it after Saturday's Saturday night's game. So what are your thoughts on what it means for Inter-Miami to win that preseason competition? I think it's 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 important, especially because, you know, it, it was not an easy preseason due to all the injuries that the team has been going through. So, you know, it's it's was, about confidence. There, there was more. also sorry, sorry to interrupt you there. There was I wanna I wanna add this because it hasn't been put out there and I haven't put it out there. There was also one one COVID case in camp during uh their trip to Charleston, South Carolina. So they had to deal with that as well. But sorry, Jose, continue on. Well, that's no, that's very important information. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 about confidence coming into into the regular season. Although you know, it's it, it's important for them to win to to know that they can actually um, walk through things, go through things during the season, and and they can actually be successful at times. Um, there's also you know a conversation within the tournament in terms of the opponents that they were facing, um, Charleston Battery. Um, playing very early in their pre- preseason days, so they basically had um, their starters, uh, quote unquote, until the only playing the first half an hour of a match, and then Charlotte. Um, it's it's a team that that is um, struggling at the moment. Of course, they're just getting started, um, and so you know there are things that you can pick and say, well, yeah, it's good, but this and that. But still, I, I believe this is a positive for the team. Um, and But it's also going to come down to, to how they start the regular season, what happens against uh, Chicago Fire and, and, and move on from there. Uh, I think it's, it's important now, but it's something that we can look past very easily. It's definitely an important accomplishment. And I think you could see it clear as day, even though it was nighttime, after the game, when the team was all together taking pictures and smiling, practically everybody in that final photo that, or in that photo that came out, not the final photo, but the team photo that came out with the entire uh, group of players, with the entire staff, in that photo, practically everyone is smiling. And I think maybe there's two players that aren't smiling. I remember Clement Diop, I'd have to pull up the picture, but I remember Clement Diop being one of the ones that just had a serious face. But practically everybody else is smiling. And for a team, with the start that Inter-Miami has had. The first two years have been very, very rough. This preseason turn or this preseason trophy might not mean a lot to a whole lot of people, but to Inter-Miami, it means a whole lot because they've gone through two very tough years. A lot of losing, a lot of frustration, a lot of disappointment. So to taste a modicum of success, I think is going to do the team wonders in terms of their confidence and in terms of just their emotional state heading into Saturday's uh, season opener against the Chicago Fire. But anyway, switching gears because we could analyze that game, but if we do, we're going to have a very, very lengthy pod. So let's just switch gears to previewing the upcoming season for Inter Miami. And let's start with Gonzalo Higuain because I'm of the belief that as this team will go as far as he can take them because he is, as of right now, the only designated player on this team. 
He finished last season as a top goal scorer and top assist man. So I, I'm firm, firmly of the belief, and, and Phil Neville said this to me in a one-on-one interview I had with him a couple of weeks ago, that Gonzalo, Gonzalo has to lead the team because he's that type of player. He is a difference maker. And we saw in preseason, uh, including on in Saturday's game against Charlotte FC, that Iguain has a different type of role, something we've touched on in preseason throughout the pods, something that's been discussed by him and, and the team. We saw a free-roaming Iguain, a player that can drop out of his center-forward position and can drop back to pick up the ball, to help circulate it, to help create for others. He can also roam out to the wings. We saw him do a lot of that in this preseason tournament. He would float out to the left side more often than not. And he was able to make a difference in games because he got assists and he scored some goals. And I know we've touched on it, Jose. You don't think it's his best position. I also don't think it's his best position. I think his best spot is up top as a number nine. But but it has been productive, at least in preseason. We've seen him do both. We've seen him score and we've seen him assist. Now, before we jump into it in further detail, I want to listen to these quotes from these pair of one-on-one interviews that I did with Gonzalo Higuain, <clears throat> excuse me, Gonzalo Higuain and Phil Neville a couple of weeks ago before they left for for Charleston. I asked them both about individually about Iguain's positioning. So let's listen to what they said. Obviously, Iguain's will be in Spanish. So if you don't speak Spanish and you don't understand, we'll do our best to summarize what he said afterwards. But let's listen to this first. Well, he's our best finisher. He's our best finisher. So I keep telling him you, you, you're going to be centre forward because we need you in the box to score goals. You're our top scorer. So, uh, and I think with Gonzalo, it's more his mind. It's more his mind. He thinks, oh, I'm getting older, so I've got to go deeper. And I'm saying, no, you're going older, so you've got to go higher. So, so it's just his mind. It's just his mind. He thinks he has, he has more influence. But what he doesn't realise now is, is he's got players that he can, that can pass him the ball. He's got players around him that can to do a little bit more running for him. But we still need him in, in the box to finish. No, it's an idea. It's an idea. Hablada con el mister de que este año seguramente juegue más retrasado, ya que vinieron delanteros que pueden hacerlo arriba. El año pasado no, bueno, estaba Rodolfo y y bueno, lo, lo ejercía él esa posición, pero este año eh, hay un hueco ahí y a mí me gustaría jugar más retrasado para ayudar al medio campo, para crear jugadas, para llegar de segunda línea. Y es una idea que, que he hablado con el míster y yo creo que se va a ver. Me siento bien ahí, me gusta, me gusta estar en contacto con la pelota, eh, intervenir la mayor parte que puedo en el partido, eh, es una posición que... No, no es que he jugado siempre, de hecho casi nunca, eh, pero es una posición que me gusta, sí me atrae. Okay, guys, so after listening to those quotes, what are your takeaways? I'll start with you, Primo. What do you think after hearing that from Phil to start and then hearing Gonzalo afterwards? Well, you know, I mean, it, it, we talked a lot, haven't we, about Higuain is the, is the best player on the team you know, period. He's the most experienced. He's had the, the, the most storied career, stellar career, whatever way you want to put it. And so I think they have to try and adapt and use him in the best way possible. And he talks about, you know, the fact that he couldn't, you know, Pizarro found it difficult to play along alongside him. He's going to have to drop back. I mean, he was doing that anyway, wasn't he? He was always searching for the ball. You know, you, that's naturally when if things aren't going right, you need to find your best player and hopefully that he will provide the spot. Now, whether or not he can do that, 
it, you know, that's we have to remain. We have to wait and see see how that goes. He's definitely got the skill. It's not his position. It's not where he's played most of his career. But you know, players do adapt as they as they get older and they're when they're you know their their physical attributes you know decline a bit. They you know they've still got the skill and and the and the quality on the ball um, to to make things happen. They just can they create and produce have the players around him to take advantage of, of, of what he's got. That's that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? And that's that's why they've worked hard to to bring in new faces and to see, you know, if they can they can do it. I mean, um, yeah, you'd like to think he can be in that hole, come a bit deeper and then set players free, Campanios, wherever, wherever it's going to be. Um, but, you know, it's it's a work it's a work in progress. But it, it has to be because he hasn't got the he hasn't got the pace, you know, to sort of lead the line, really. I, I personally, I, I don't think. I think they need, especially in MLS, you need pace, you need athleticism. That's something that he doesn't really possess. They have to try and fit him in another way. Jose, it's all on you because I know you are of a different belief, so. Yeah. Well, my personal thought is that, you know, it's a long season in MLS and for you to have the responsibility to be a playmaker and then as well to get in in the box as as he wants to you know that's that's a lot that's a lot and this is a league a very physical league people like to run uh, uh, around uh, the field and it's it, to me it's just it's just something that you know the situation will will let us know what the relationship really is like between Phil and and Gonzalo at some point you know they're gonna have to sit down and, and talk to each other and, and and do what's best for for the team um it, it's clear but they, they have me, spoken but they have spoken and he yeah, says but, he said that but, they've but spoken you don't have a sample size Franco you don't have a sample size right now that you can actually put in the table and 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 just because it's preseason because it's preseason but when it comes to the regular season frustrations you know oh, absolutely. Um, a little bit more and and you know you're not winning games, you're not scoring, and if that's the case, listen, it could happen the other way, right? They could be scoring and they could be um, playing well and winning games. But if if that's not the case, you know that they should have a conversation. And 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 I think I've heard Phil said quite a few times during preseason that his relationship with Gonzalo is really good. That that they talk basically every single day right they talk um, a lot yeah so um that's good that's good i think that they, there can be a, an understanding between them of, of what they really want to do and and it's all going to come down to the games but I, I do believe he needs to stay inside the box as much as possible and 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 i agree if you want to debate this and, and tell me or if anybody wants wants to do it and tells me this team they don't have an, a number 10 and so who is going to be there that that's a question mark. I agree a hundred percent. But to me, Gonzalo, he needs to be he needs to be a goal scorer for this team. He, he needs to score 15, 20 goals this season for for this team to be successful. So, I wanted to dive into more what they said and, and what that what insight that gives us. And and you can find these interviews in the next few hours on Miami Total Football's YouTube page. It'll also be part of uh, a preview package that I did for the South Florida Sun Sentinel. That will come out on Saturday. But for me, these quotes from both of them reveal a bit about a bit more about their relationship. Something you just touched on uh, briefly there, Jose. Because we know that they're in constant communication. We've seen it at practice. Uh, Phil has talked about it uh, on, on numerous occasions, how he talks to Higuain often. 
But it's clear, and look, it's 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 fine and it's understandable that a coach is going to talk to his star player and piggyback off of some of his ideas, especially if he's a player like Iguain who's played at the highest highest levels. But it also tells me that Iguain has some input, or maybe more input than he he probably should have, or that maybe he wouldn't have on other teams in other parts of the world. Because if Phil Neville is saying he thinks Iguain should be a number nine, uh, you know, in the box, finishing plays off, but he's playing him as a 10 because that's what Iguain thinks that he wants, or that that's what Iguain thinks is best for him and for the team. Well then, okay, then Phil, Phil Neville is going off of what Iguain's desires are and not necessarily what his desires are, his personal desires are in terms of the team. Unless he was just completely fibbing or or just trying to play coy in his response to me during this interview, that's what that that's what these quotes say to me. Unless he's unless he was lying about that and he actually thinks that playing him as a 10 is better than playing him as a 9, which wouldn't be consistent to what he has said publicly dating back to last year. If that's the case, that that shows me that Iguain is is the one that's deciding his position and Phil is adapting and molding to that, but again, to me it's not Phil's preference it's not phil's idea steve i don't know if you have anything you want to add well, with regards to that it's an open di- it's an open dialogue isn't it I mean, when i was speaking with phil Neville yesterday he was talking about you know man management and how you deal deal with players and you know he's open and honest i think like most most managers are and they'll 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 adapt and they'll amend as as they go along the player may have one idea the manager may have another but you know they could strike a chord and be somewhere in the middle. The, the proof will be in the pudding about when he when he plays on Saturday, and then and then we'll have a a, a better answer. But they're clearly having a, a dialogue between them of where they feel that he should do best. But that that's natural. That's what happens with with when you're you're trying to to coach players. But I think in this particular situation, it's exacerbated by the fact that there is a kind of dearth of um, you know high top top world class quality players, and they have to try and find a system and a way to bring the best out of their their main their main guy that's it really which mls yeah, team which wait hold on which mls team has you know an abundance of world class quality no uh, but you, no i mean not 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 an abundance of world class players but you know two or three sort of you know top top dps when you talk about Miami, they've really only got one right now you know companions and these other guys emerson rodriguez whoever they may come to the fore at some point but you look at nycfc or the other top teams in you know they've got you could you could pick out their main guys with here with Iguain, there's with Miami there's really only Iguain is their standout Absolutely. which is yeah and, and that that's 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 the problem you know he also said yesterday that they're constantly getting you know because we we're, we're, we're touching this but you know Shakiri has just signed for Chicago great great player we did did okay at Liverpool we're going to see him on Saturday great little player and people will be saying why haven't Inter Miami gone you know, for those for that kind of player, I mean, he would he would be an interesting fit as well. But they, you know, they're um they're, they're sort of casting their their eyes elsewhere. But as it stands, their their top guy now is a, is a you know an aging Argentinian world class striker who whose pace probably isn't as, as great as it was, but could still contribute massively all over the pitch. But you know, it's they're kind of restricted a bit until they they can bring in some other big hitters. I think. I would say I would say this going back to the point of Iguain and 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 Phil's relationship. Neville is clearly going with what Iguain prefers, based off the quotes, right? He's going off with so that's man management, as you as you said, Steve. If it works out, it's 
going to reflect greatly on Iguain, and it's going to reflect greatly on Phil Neville. If it does not work out, as Jose possibly thinks it will not, then Iguain's going to get criticized for not performing well at that position, and Phil Neville will get criticized for playing him there and not playing him as an out number nine. So Yeah, but then that, that's the other part of the dialogue, right? I mean, is the dialogue ongoing, or is it only there while you do what Gonzalo wants wants to do? What if it doesn't work? How long is it going to take for Phil to prove to Gonzalo that it is not working? Absolutely. And hey, listen, we're going to do things my way now. And what is going to do that to that relationship? You know, that if you have a good relationship, then you're open enough to tell within two, three games, if the team is really, really struggling or five games, I don't know, put a number that you want. You want, I'm sorry, but if you have now seen on the field that it doesn't work, how long is it going to take for Phil to go and say, that's it, you're you're inside the box now? And and how is is Gonzalo going to react to that? You know, that's the other part of of, of a relationship and, and that dialogue that needs to be there for both. Obviously, Phil and Gonzalo are two key components of Inter Miami. And if they are able to work together and have these type of conversations without creating uh, a mess in, inside the locker room, then I think, you know, this is healthy. This is healthy. Hopefully that's the case because that is something that's going to be needed at some point because the frustration is going to be there. Remember, right now they haven't played one game in, in the regular season. There is going to be a time in which Inter Miami will pay for having a huge turnover for having young players. They are going to have, at any at any point during the regular season, a tough stretch. That is going to happen. That should happen. That's the way it goes with teams. When when you do when you change so many players, and, and when you when you don't have a lot of experience. So, what happens when when the tough times come? Is that relationship still going to be the same? Are they going to talk every single day? I hope that's the case because that's going to be important. I do think, you know, there is the the belief from some people that all players should be traded or be treated, sorry, equally, but that's not really how teams behind the scenes work. There are players that have different pull, there's players that have different, I don't want to say power, but they have different influence behind the scenes. And clearly, and we know this obviously, this is not any secret information, Iguain clearly has a lot more influence behind the scenes than than most of the team, and maybe more so than he would if he was being coached by somebody else or on a different team somewhere else in the world. But we'll see how it pans out for Inter Miami. My early impressions from preseason, and yes, it's preseason, are that it could work. It could work in this system that Inter Miami has, where Higuain has the freedom to roam and do pretty much what he wants uh, to find the ball. As long as he has three center midfielders behind him doing the dirty work and then obviously a line of five, a back five behind them. So I think it could work in this system. So I don't think it's a terrible idea. I'm of the belief that Wayne's best position is number nine, but I don't think that having him as a 10 in this system is an awful idea. But we'll see how it works once the games get going. Now you touched on, uh, Jose, the you know this not becoming a mess. Because there is bound to be frustration at some point in 2022. Whether it comes early, in the middle, late, wherever. I asked Gonzalo Higuain about his frustrations. And and the very demonstrative 
manner in which he expresses himself sometimes on the field. And this is what he had to say about it. He wants to improve it. He wants to get better at it. Again, if you don't speak Spanish and you don't understand, we'll try to summarize after the quotes. But let's listen to this from Gonzalo Higuain. Sí, claro. Y hay que mejorarlo. Creo que es adaptarse y para pasarlo mejor y y aún y con eso rendir mejor. La frustración, el enojo al contrario, no te lleva a ningún lado, al contrario, da una mala imagen de vos y bueno, yo no quiero que, que eso se vea este año, el año pasado quizás tuve algunas actitudes que, que no eran buenas, pero es en base a lo que decís, de frustración, de, de decir por qué no pudimos dar más, incluido yo, eh, muchas veces la frustración conmigo mismo y bueno, trataremos este año, en ese, en ese aspecto me siento mejor y trataré este año de mejorarlo porque creo que cuando estoy positivo y bien y todo el equipo lo siente y, y va mejor okay guys I'll start with you Jose this time since we started with Steve on the last one what are your takeaways from those quotes do you think he's going to make a conscious effort at trying to be better at it during the course of the season or do you think once the bad bounces come once the adversity hits that he's going to revert back to the Iguain that we've seen throughout his career the first the Iguain that does show a fiery personality that does get frustrated this is not like this is an inter miami you know case this he's been like this throughout his entire career he wears his heart on his sleeve so Jose what do you think well right now I have no reason not to believe that he's saying the truth right in, in those quotes but I think we can all agree that he's going to need help from his teammates, especially if he wants to move out of the box and play as a, a, a 10 or a playmaker. Because for him to be, and for the team to be successful with him playing in that position, you're going to need the wingers to have a good good, good, good games. You need, you need to have a Campana or Lassiter playing at the top and scoring goals. Um, it's not going to be all on him, right? It's not going to... But that's not, but that's not the question. But that's not the question. The question right, is... But I'm, I'm when, getting when, there. Yeah. And so, and so if, if that doesn't happen, then, you know, the test of the frustration and the way that he reacts, it's going to be a lot, a lot more hard to work with, right? Because the players that you have around, and that has been the problem, that's, that's the frustration with him. The players that have been around, uh, around him last year, they, they were not good enough for him. And so that, that's why he, he got frustrated with it. Because well, he, was, he, he was says he, got, he gets frustrated, but he says he gets frustrated because he thinks, why couldn't the team give more, including himself? But but what you're saying does have, to me, truth to it, because look, anyone that's been around MLS for a long time and has seen strikers that come from Europe to MLS, they show this type of frustration. They show this irritation, this aggravation. Iguain's not a, a, an only case. I've seen it from Thierry Henry with the New York Red Bulls. I've seen it with David Villa at NYCFC. I've seen it at times with Robbie Keane at the LA Galaxy. This is not some individual case that's it's isolated. It, it happens. It happens because they're used to a certain quality. And when they come here, that adaptation does prove difficult. Now, Iguain maybe takes it another step ahead of the other players I just named. But obviously, he, he wants to work at it. Steve... What are your thoughts? Do you think that he'll be able to keep his cool when the inevitable frustration hits? Or do you think we could see him 
be who he is and, and, and show that passionate side that that's how he feels the game. Do you think we'll see that from him um, in it, you know, again, to the point where it becomes a point of criticism like we did in 2021? It depends how it depends how the season goes. It's, you know, it's, it's if, he, if he's if team are winning and, and playing well, it's, it's like any team. Everything's rosy and, and brilliant. Everyone's the, the, the best things in sliced bread or whatever. A couple of defeats or things start going going badly then yeah then then questions you know start to start to crop up more regularly and you question questioning and you're criticizing we're analyzing you know everything um it just it depends i just think look we, we know the situation with him and what he brings and, and what he, he can't bring it's it's about for me it's more about the other players around him can they contribute and help bring him into the game and and, and work with him you know with no pizarro now so we knew that was an, an issue that's gone. So now with these new guys coming in, can they can everything mold together and then bring the best best out of Iguain? He's not going to win. He's not going to win anything on his own. Never. It's a team game, but he needs to have the players around him. And so they, these new players have to gel and try and bring and, and try and, and try and do it. And the, the proof will be once uh, you know come come Saturday. What's we're going to see exactly how it's going to transpire. Well, you so know, that's, I, another, I think that's, a, that's a very diplomatic answer from you, Steve. Because, it's true, though, isn't it? I mean, I'm but, not, I haven't but got wait, a crystal wait, hold on, ball. Hold on, hold on. But, it, but of crystal... course, we don't have a crystal ball. But the question is, when the frustration hits, because it's inevitable that it will hit, just like it hits for any team across any league, do you think he will keep his cool, or do you think he? You we could see, could see him go back to just being that demonstrative figure? That shows his frustration and aggravation on the field. But I'm but I'm asking you what you think. I'm uh, asking you what you think. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think if it starts going wrong, he's going to lose his mind. Yeah, yeah, hundred okay. percent. But, okay. uh, you know, but we, then, we got an answer. But if you ask That's any manager, point, they would say, "Oh no, we don't. We know we don't want to change his character and all the, and this kind of stuff." Especially someone of his age with his experience, it's not going to change now. This is probably the last season of his career. So. You know, the, for him, he probably he definitely wants to bow out on a on a high. Uh, but the pressure will be on is on him to deliver. He's been at the biggest clubs. He's played in the World Cup final. Um, I was there. I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it five million times before. Um, <laughs> he missed a great chance actually in the World Cup final that time in 2000, 2014. Anyway, um, he's, yeah, the guy's played in the World Cup final. So you know, he, he, he of course he's gonna he knows what it takes to to win or not win the World Cup final in that particular point. But um, <laughs> Yeah. So, that, that, so that's, Steve, that's Steve gave us Steve gave us an actual answer, a real answer, and then he started to to try to make it all rosy and stuff. Okay, we got an answer out of Steve. Jose, you had something to say there. Yeah, I think there's another element to what to what Steve's talking about, and it is that you know the players that that Inter Miami has signed, and and I can give you names. I mean, Campana, Lassiter, Emerson Rodriguez, even McVeigh. Um, they have all talked about you know how much they respect Gonzalo, and. Um, not that the players last year did not respect him, but it seems like this group of young players, they saw Gonzalo on TV every weekend for a long time. Right. And they have that level of respect. And so obviously that gives Gonzalo, you know, an edge because they are going to listen to him. And so he's talking to them and he knows the process that his teammates are going through. And so that can level the frustration a little bit. You know, um, we, we don't know exactly what happened last year inside the locker room, but we know the situation was not right. So maybe this year you have a good locker room, you have better communication, you know exactly what's going on. And Gonzalo knows that his teammates 
are trying to do what's best for the team. Sometimes it's not going to work, and maybe that's in the back of his head, and he's thinking, okay, I mean, I, I know what's going on here. At least I'm in control here of what's going on in the locker room. It's a different dynamic, absolutely. So I think that's that's the overall point that you're trying to make. The, the, the relationships now in the locker room with regards to Higuain are different than last year's. And it doesn't mean that the players last year didn't respect him, but veteran players or more established players have, you know, a certain way of thinking, and that's just how it goes. Whereas younger players, they're still trying to learn and absorb everything like a sponge. So the relationships and the, and the dynamic with Higuain is different in that locker room. So let's touch really quickly on... The other DP that's still technically officially as of today, Wednesday, on the Inter Miami roster, and that's Blaze Matuidi, who still has not been bought out or released. He still remains an Inter Miami player, even though he hasn't trained a single day with the team this preseason by decision of the team itself. I asked Phil Neville about that in our one-on-one interview a couple of weeks ago. Again, a couple of weeks ago, but let's listen to it because I feel I still think it's pertinent. To, to right now in terms of the overall situation because, again, Matuidi has yet to depart South Florida and the team's roster officially. This was beyond, this was more how we, how we could rebuild our team and, and, and what moves we had to make to rebuild our team. So, and, and, and Blaze was a brilliant person to have around. He's, he was a great professional, he was a competitor. Uh, yes, I think his performances could have been better, he knows that, and sometimes... Uh, you know, we left him out of the team. Uh, but I, I can't speak highly enough of the way that he conducts himself. And he's a class act. But you see it with Toronto, you see it with other clubs. Sometimes you have to make big decisions to, you know, you have to take a step back to go too forward. And, and Blaze, unfortunately, with Pizarro and Tambien, and Tambien, that was my Spanish, uh, <laughs> Pizarro also, you have to make tough decisions. And if you're going to shy away from those, you're never going to be successful. So, especially in the MLS. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't nice because he's a competitor, he's someone that we respect, uh, you know. But he took it in the way, uh, and and hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, it will be it'll be resolved soon. Guys, we've touched or we've talked a lot about Blaze Matuidi over the past few months. Don't need to spend a whole lot of time on it, but clearly, clearly they did not like what they saw. I think it's the first time Phil Neville's actually touched on that on that uh on that topic they didn't like what he saw in terms of his overall performances because if they had he'd be back probably but just your thoughts on not being able to get him off the books and just the overall situation i'll start with you steve well i mean i, I guess it's just now uh, they're they're trying to it's not so much get him off the books is it? i think they're probably having to try to come some sort of agreement um you know with his his people his lawyers and you know the guy was still on the contract wasn't he so i guess yeah. it's just a lengthy a lengthy procedure um, in terms of just getting every every everything right. And he's not going to play. He's finished here. Um, he'll, he'll move on and do something else. He's had a great career. He's earned a lot of money. Probably didn't work out for him the best here. Um, yeah. Why not? Why not buy him out? Why not buy him out outright? Right. You have that one option to buy out a player per season. They haven't used that yet this year. Perhaps why, they, they why must, not they must buy be him confident out. they were going to be able to come to an, come to an agreement with his people. Otherwise, they, otherwise they've already done that. And I guess uh, you you tell us is it, is it possible they can if it, if it doesn't go if it, they can't agree anything they can just buy him out. That's that's possible, isn't it? But then that one option one option less, correct? Well, right. So if you buy him out, then you've used your option for the year. You can't buy anybody else out. They bought out Matias Pellegrini last year, but this year they still have their buyout now. One possibility is that, in, in 
you know, for me, is that Blaze Matuidi was involved in a, I don't know if scandal is the right word, maybe it's the la- for lack of a better word, but he was involved in a scandal when with regards to how he was signed here. And it was apparently through no fault of his own, but he was still involved in it. I could see, and this is not information, just my supposition, I could see a scenario where Inter-Miami does not want to buy him out. Oh, excuse me, does not want to just, uh, oh yeah, does not does not want to buy him out outright because they want to come to terms with him on a non-disclosure agreement. Let's say they come to terms. They're like, all right, we'll give you this much money and we'll let you go for free, but you can't say this, this, and this. If they just let him go without that agreement in place, he's free to do any interview he wants and talk openly about what was given to him and what happened to him. NDAs are common across professional sports when, when uh, you know players or coaches are, are let go in different circumstances, usually more so coaches or, or front office um, people. But, you know, Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins is, is a recent example. I, I just read something uh, yesterday or today that said, he refused to, to sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, because he wanted to speak openly about the topics he felt needed to be uh, brought up. Jose, what do you think about the situation with Matuidi overall, in general? Why haven't they just bought him out? Why do you think that they that there's that this is still an ongoing talking point going into the season? Well, it is unfortunate, I think, for both sides, because it did seem early on um, or at least that's what we were led to believe that, you know, the, the communication was good and that, you know, they were getting close to coming to terms. Uh, but it is unfortunate because, you know, obviously Inter Miami needs the DP spot. And um, and if Blaze wants to continue to play, you know, he's he's been out for a while now. So um, it, it's hard to recover when you're in, in, in the last few years of, of your career. So I, I do believe it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. I really hope this, this would have gotten would have gotten resolved um, a few weeks ago even you know thinking about bringing somebody in that playmaker that they need uh, I thought at, at some point that was the plan but clearly um, you know it, it didn't work out that way so um, yeah my thought it's it's just uh, unfortunate on both but, sides but why but sides. why but why why ha- why do you think that we're still at this point at this juncture days oh, away from the season why have they not bought him out why is he still not off the books. Why is well, he still an Inter Miami player technically? Uh, obviously, they they haven't been able to come to terms. I mean, the the relationship was not as good as 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 we initially thought, right? Because you know, even though with all the 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 five D piss thing and then the signing of of uh, of Blaze, we never got a sense that there was uh, a friction in the relationship between his camp and Inter Miami. At least I didn't get that sense. And so I thought, you know, they just came to terms at the end of the last season that, you know, this was not a good fit. And we, we can we saw it on the field as well, how Blaze did not perform at a level that he was supposed to. And and I think he'll be the first the first guy to tell you that. So I thought the relationship was good, but clearly it is not as good. And, and especially because they haven't been able to come to terms, that's that tells you the story right there. I don't necessarily agree that it's not. I mean, I don't. I, I understand that's your viewpoint. I just don't necessarily agree that that's you know what it what it tells you. I think you know he could just he could be happy with Inter Miami, but also be just as happy collecting. I think it's three million dollars or more or less that he that he's set to earn this year. And you know we've jokingly said that he's got a boat and he you know he'll be happy to just hang out on there. We've said that jokingly on the pod, but I think there is an element of truth to it 
he could ju- be just as fine and just as content sitting the year out, earning those $3 million and saying, I am not going to come to an agreement with you guys on a certain number. I'm happy with my $3 million. You don't want to play me. That's fine. I'll just hang out with my family in lovely South Florida and continue to work out on my own. So clearly it's a situation Inter-Miami has yet to resolve. Chris Henderson on day one of preseason, he told us that they hope to have an announcement soon. We're six weeks later almost, and there has been no resolution. So obviously they haven't come to an agreement, but probably more so because Matuidi's not agreeing to terms, not because Inter-Miami's not trying to agree to terms. Inter-Miami, I'm sure, is trying their their best to try to figure out a, a solution. But I think you should also, I mean, just, just remember, the, you know, the lengthy investigation the, the, and the, all the legal arguments, it's the legal minefield, I guess, in terms of everything that, that has gone on and have to make sure that everything is right. I mean, it, it must be, I think maybe it's... That's it's, what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Symptomatic of everything that's... Uh, that's going on. It must be a difficult thing for, for them to just to nail down. Yeah, that's what I said before. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of the conversation. They, they don't want him to open up publicly about what happened, right? Because that's a fair question to ask Matuidi if and when he's, you know, he's available to talk again. What, and he's no longer an Inter-Miami player. What happened? What, how were you compensated? How did all these things come to pass? And if it is, if it's scandalous or if it's, you know, anything that's, of real note, then obviously that's not going to reflect well on the franchise, even more so. Even though it's already happened, even though we know they've been punished and they're facing the the, the sanctions now, it still wouldn't be a good look if, if he's able to provide more details and his side of the story as to what happened there. But anyway, let's talk one, overall. One more thing, one more thing on that. You know, that could be a case, and, and, and you got me thinking about it because... Um, since Diego Alonso came out of the team, we haven't seen a um, uh, an interview with him, like detailing what exactly happened in that offseason. He probably has a no disclosure agreement. Uh, I would, right. I would, that's, I would bet on that. I would bet on that. I would bet on him point. having an NDA. And and when you have an NDA, it's, it can be for a certain amount of years where you are not allowed to say anything negative, or maybe not anything negative, anything revealing, or it's, it's it depends on the terms that they agree to, but. Clearly, we haven't heard from him. We haven't heard from Paul McDonough. I imagine that they both were, were given NDAs or, or signed NDAs, and they're contractually and legally obligated to to stay to stick with that. Otherwise, obviously, they could they could face punishment or fines or or whatever. But anyway, let's switch gears and talk about the team overall in general, very very quickly before we give our preseason predictions or our season predictions. Uh, and we'll start with just the overall, or we'll just touch on the overall style of play from Inter Miami. We saw a team in preseason that deployed a five-man backline. I know some people try to paint it as a three-man backline because when they're in possession, the wingbacks push forward. But for us here on this pod, or at least for myself, and I know for Jose because we talked about it yesterday in person, it's a five-man backline. I don't know where Steve stands on the on the whole subject, but uh, what are your thoughts on this style of play? One more time before we start into the season. Is it going to be enough with this group of players to give Inter-Miami the success it wants? Obviously, the playoffs are the bar. That's the that's the bare minimum, reaching the playoffs. Anything less than that, and this season will be a failure for me, and I imagine for the team, which is an ambitious team. They've talked about that. So, Jose, I'll start with you. What do you think? Is this 5-3-2 or this 5-2-3? Is this system, is this formation... 
and the style of play, which is a bit more defensive-minded, going to be enough for Inter Miami to find enough success in 2022? Nah, I don't think so. I'm not a believer on the 5-3-2 formation. I've said it along preseason. Um, I just, I just don't see it because you know that that that's that's a formation that they're they're going to be good defensively. I think they're going to be in most of the games. You know, we're not going to see the five five zero six zero. I don't think we're going to see that very often this year because they will be good defensively. They have they have shown that, and and, and to be clear, they have they have been able to do a good job during preseason with that, um, but. You have to score in MLS. You have to score. Every team is built thinking about scoring, and um, I, I just, I just, I, I don't see that they, they, they have enough. And, and you know, I don't think this roster, in terms of key positions like, you know, a, a number nine. If Campana goes down, who plays there, right? Um, it's it's to me it's offensively. It's a good question. It's a good question. There are there are so many there are so many questions offensively for this team, and, and I understand that um, you know the sanctions are are playing a factor, but at this point, they 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 did exactly what they thought was right for the team. I I, I hope it works, but for me the five three two formation just doesn't work. And if you get that extra player. You get one of the center backs out, and you get that extra player on the attacking part of the field. Right. Then I think it's a different scenario. So uh, I just don't see it. I'm sorry, but I don't see it. Don't be sorry. That's fine. It's just how you see the, how you see things, and it's oh, perfectly because, you know, perfectly acceptable. Well, Steve, Steve. People get disappointed, and you know, I feel but bad. But that's what you think. Fans. But 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 that's what you think. I mean, you like why apologize for what you think? I don't like. I don't. I don't agree with apologizing, but that's fine, Steve. What are your thoughts on the on the five three two, the five two three? Is this system going to lead Inter Miami to some level of success in twenty twenty two? I mean, it, it it gives more protection at the back. It, yeah, it does become a five man backline, but then it can also become a three, and then the, you know, obviously the wing backs are, are pushing on. I, I think the problem has always been, you know, can they create enough in, in the middle? You know, have they got the, the play? Gregor is a workman like box to box midfielder, but not. Where's the creative spark going to come from? Um, is it going to be Mota, someone, someone, someone like that? They need to get someone on the ball and, and being creative thing to be that, to be that that playmaker. And if that is, a, and they're able to find that kind of person in that system, which is, which is, yeah, hundred percent possible, then, then, then it, it will work. But I, I don't think defending necessarily is the problem for them. But it's creating chances and scoring goals. That's the main thing. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's maybe a safety first. Approach, be solid at the back, have that strong base, and then just try and um, you know try and create in that in that final third. That's that's always been the problem for this team in this first two seasons. They just don't create enough chances. So with the offensive players they brought in, let's let's see if 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 that changes. I appreciate your analysis, Primo, but I ask you again: Is this formation going to lead Inter Miami to success in 2022? What do you think? I think with the players that he's got available right now, I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah, I think it, could, it can work. It can work. Okay. It is it? The, is it? Will it work? Do you think it will work? Yes or but, no? But, but how do you quantify will it work? If they make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you think it will work? Okay. Yes. Okay, all right. I will say... I will agree with Jose in that I think this team will be more competitive. I don't think we will see this team get blown out in the way that it did in... 
2021. I don't think we will see six-game losing streaks, but I don't see this team doing a whole lot in the attack. And I think that, like like Jose said, you need goals to win games, and, you know, what happens when Inter-Miami falls behind? Because that's something... I think we talked about this yesterday, Jose. I did. We didn't see a whole lot of in preseason, and maybe you know that's the formula for Inter Miami success, and they're banking on that. Is that they don't fall behind in games that often? Because if they do, then what do they do tactically? Do they come out of the five man backline and switch to a four? Do they do they open up and then leave more spaces at the back in order to try to find an equalizer? That I there's questions there that we don't have answers to yet because we haven't seen it. We'll find out once the season gets going. But I will say that yes, this five this five three two this five two three will solidify them further defensively, will make them more competitive, especially with the personnel it has, but I don't think it will lead to success in terms of making the playoffs. Now, if they change formations halfway through the season and they switch to a four-man backline, then it's a different conversation, but right now, as of today in preseason, we've only seen five at the back, and I right now I don't think that that will be enough to make it to the playoffs. So we've kind of dabbled and dipped our toes in our preseason, or excuse me, our season predictions, so let's just jump right to it to close out this first segment, which has been lengthy, but obviously this is our season preview pod, and we will start with who will be the team's MVP. Quickly, Steve. Gonzalo Higuain's going to ride into the sunset off the back of a wonderful final campaign. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's got to be him. You've got to feel that if this is going to be his last season, then uh, now with the shackles of Pizarro gone, that you know this could be. This could be his moment. That would be a great story. Jose, who will be the MVP? I have two names, but I have decided. And, and both of them are, are on the defensive side of the field. You're but I, but I have bets. decided from, from what I've seen, I think um, Damian Lowe will end up being the MVP. Even though the team might struggle at times and, and might not be able to win games, we're going to be talking constantly about how good he is, if he had any help at the top, then they might have been able to win that game. That will happen. So Damian Lowe will be the MVP for Inter-Miami. Okay. I will say it will be Gonzalo Higuain. I think Higuain will score goals. I think he'll get assists. I don't know if the rest of the team will do enough to, to push this team far. But I think Iguain will be will will produce. I think he'll produce, and I think he'll he'll have a bigger influence this year than he did last year. Obviously, last year he had you know he went through the passing of his mother that impacted him and affected his season. And he made a good point when that I didn't think about when I when I interviewed him is that that happened after the first two games of the year in which he scored in both. He scored against the Galaxy from the penalty spot, and then he scored against Philadelphia off of a off of a header in that in that second game of the campaign. Then, obviously, the, the passing of his mother happened. And after that, it took him some time to, to find his rhythm. And it's something that affected him and impacted him throughout the remainder of the season, in addition to the team's struggles. So I think he comes in, and Phil Neville said this to me as well, he comes in in the in a better mental state. Phil Neville said probably the best mental state that he's had since he, that, that Higuain has had since he's been at Inter-Miami and in the best shape, and in the best form. So I think Higuain will have a, a very good year. Just don't know if it'll be enough. Top scorer then, I will I will start here, because if, if I'm picking him as my MVP, I'm also going to pick him as the top goal scorer. So Gonzalo Higuain will be... The, actually? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll stay with Gonzalo Higuain. Gonzalo Higuain will finish as the top goal scorer on Inter Miami in 2022. Jose, who do you have? 
I think, listen, I think offensively this year is going to be, um, uh, they will spread out production. They will, they will spread it out, I think, especially with Gonzalo not being inside the box. So a four-way tie. Jose's <laughs> well, hedging be. his bets here today on the pod uh, in a big way, and that is pun intended. You are hedging your bets, my friend. I think no, because you you want you want me to tell you that Addy Lasseter is going to be the top. The, the I, number I just one want you to give me a name, one everything. name. I just want one name. No, no, that's not that's not going to be the case. I, I mean, I, I know he's not a, a top goal scorer. He has never been. He's a, he's a winger, really. Now playing as a nine, but still, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give Campana, Campana. Uh, a vote of confidence here. I I got a little bit worried. During preseason at times, but I'm giving him time, and 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 I think he has the talent, he has the build to to play in MLS, and so I'll say I'll say Campana. And and listen, this is this is I, I want to give credit as well, and I will give credit during the season to, to Gonzalo Wayne if he gets assist. You know that's that's something that I, it's not going to go unnoticed on on my side because you know if he's able to do that and not being selfish and lets his teammates shine. And get more goals than him. I think that 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 will tell me a lot about his character this year. So, um, but I'll go with Campana. Steve, top goal scorer on Inter Miami. Well, I think they 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 need they need Campana to to step up again. We're talking about the same things. No one else was you know no no one else contributed as much as Iguain did that, that last season. And you know, just it, it wasn't enough. They need the goals to come from somewhere else. You know, bless him, Carranza. He never, he didn't step up when he when he was asked to. Pizarro flitted in and out. So it needs it needs that that you know the other names to come to the to the fore now. So um, yeah, no, it'd be great if could, someone like Campania can come in and, and hit the ground running. But you know, he's he's not played in MLS before. It's it's, it's difficult. It's a different league. But you know, a youngish player. Um, you know, with with decent ta- with with good talent, good pedigree. So um, yeah, they they definitely need him to produce for sure. Is that your prediction? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Top assist man. I go back to you, Steve. Oh, that's. A, I mean, again, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what Motta is going to be like. He was trumpeted as this, you know, the guy, the playmaker, the one to make it happen. So, yeah, I think I'm. I'm, I'm going to go for him. And these are all choices um, made with the hope that I'm actually going to. They're actually going to not jinx them, but actually sort of come come true. So that that you know, that's it. I don't know if he's been. Sp- Touted as a playmaker, I think he's touted as a number eight. I mean, it's just my interpretation. But touted as number eight that could do the job that Blaze Matuidi did not do uh, well enough, and I think that's that's more or less his role. We did see him uh, influence this last preseason game. He was involved and was an important piece in the lead up to both goals. So definitely has maybe a bit more of a creative spark than than a Gregory or a Victor Uyoa, but but I don't think he's just. Uh, an out and out creative, creative midfielder. So uh, I will go. I will go again with Iguain. I think he does it again. Jose, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. I think you know Pepita will get uh, plenty of assists. If uh, I was talking early on about how the goals were going to be spread out, no, I think he's going to have to be involved in in most of them for for that to actually happen. So yeah, I'll go with with Iguain. Two more questions and we close out this first segment. Who will be the breakout player for Inter-Miami? The breakout player, the, the young guy. Actually, so what? Three more. The breakout player, the young guy, or the fairly newcomer that enjoys a very good season that maybe we didn't have on, on our radar to start. Uh, Jose. Uh, 
Well, that's a tough one. I've been thinking about that. You know, obviously I had my answer until Ian Freight got injured. Right. That would have been my first choice without a doubt. But um, I think, can can we count Lasseter as a as a young player? He's not a young player, right? No, it's fine. Look, because oh. I was I was thinking maybe doing two more, but let's let's just simplify it. Lasseter could be you know either breakout or the breakout player or the the newcomer that yeah. impresses. So okay, Lasseter Lasseter works for for the choice. Yeah, he's he's the he's he's the newcomer that will impress. Although I can give you a young player as well. You know, I I was I was. I've been impressed with with Noah Noah Allen, but I don't know if it's gonna get an opportunity, actual opportunity this year. Right. Um, um, as well, but he's injured now, and he has been with the team before. I think there's that there's young talent within the team. I just uh, I, if there's if there's if it's not on the defensive side of the field, then I, I struggle to to find a player to name because I, I do believe that's that's gonna be the the main emphasis of, of Inter Miami. They're going to be successful defensively and offensively, you know, they're not going to do enough. But I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's just the reality of the team in my, in my own analysis, of, of course. Of course, of course. Steve, who will be the newcomer or the breakout player of the year for Inter Miami in 2022? Well, I think um, I, Bryce, I think it looks, uh, looks like a decent, decent prospect. He, he, you know, he had a little bit of an injury, didn't he recently, but I think he could, he could sort of come to the fore and help out. I think Mabika as well uh, looks a decent player. I'm interested to see if he can progress and develop like, you know, they, they, they hope he does. Obviously, it was a shame that, you know, Ian Frey would have probably been that guy as well, wouldn't he? So, um, but unfortunately, he's not going to be, be there this season. Um, and I mean, and he's not, not, I mean, Emerson Rodriguez as well. I mean, he's a young, he's a young guy. So he's come over, right? Steve, one name, one name. Not three, one. <laughs> it's really tough. It's really tough. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But, the, but the, okay. But predict, pre- predict. It's like predictions. If you if you said, all right, who's going to win MLS Cup, and you give me four teams, and you're not really giving me a prediction. You're you're just you know throwing a bunch of names out there and hoping one sticks. I, one one name, Steve. One. Mabika. Mabika. Mabika will be the breakout slash newcomer. Okay. I want to say Campana, and I'm going to say Campana. I will say Campana is the, the the breakout player in the attack. He contributes some goals. But I think one name that we should take into consideration that could we don't know much about. We don't know almost anything about him, really. And he could be really good or he could be really bad. And I'm not picking him because I don't know enough about him to pick that. It'd be a shot in the dark. But Robert Taylor. We have yet to see how he really fits in with this team. So... We'll see, you know, we'll see how he pans out once he does. But I'm going with Leonardo Campana. Um, actually, I'll scratch that. Ariel Lasseter. Ariel Lasseter. Jose, you can. <laughs> I know you're going to enjoy that one. Jose, Ariel Lasseter. Sorry, yes, Ariel Lasseter is my bet. Sorry, not Leonardo Campana. Your guys' uh, multiple names stuck onto me there. It was contagious. But no, Ariel Lasseter. No, Leonardo Campana. If Leonardo Campana, you know, kills it this year and he destroys it. I will not have gotten that correct because my my ballot is Ariel Lasseter. I changed the vote at the last last second. Okay, last question, and this is probably the juiciest one. Where does Inter Miami finish in the Eastern Conference in 2022? And that will tell us, of course, if you think they make the playoffs because you have to finish in the top seven to reach the postseason. Steve, my friend, I will start with you. Think they will just edge it into into sixth. I, I don't think there's not there wasn't. He's made the point before. 
there's not much between the, the teams in, in that league. Um, so if he can just get on a run and, and keep some consistency... Who is he? Then, yeah. Why do you always say he? Who Phil is Neville. he? Phil okay. Phil. <laughs> I don't know why you don't say his name. Is, it like, is he like the boogeyman? You're not allowed to say his name? I didn't say it, but on the whole, I usually do call him Phil, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, if you want shorts to sing dance, it's sick. How about that? Sixth. Okay, so they make the playoffs. Jose? No, no playoffs for me. What, no what playoffs. position? I don't think they make the playoffs. I think they'll be, they'll be close, though. Maybe 9, 10... I'll go with nine. Yeah, uh, I don't think they. I don't think they make it. So better than last year, but not in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, don't make it. I agree with you that I don't think they make the playoffs. Now it's a matter of where I think they'll fall, and this is tough because I, I, I put them in the same range as you. But I will go tenth again. I think they go tenth. I think they finish tenth for the second consecutive season, and I don't think that they make the playoffs and that. Again, I think it'll be a more competitive team. Maybe they'll not pile up as many losses and they'll have more draws, but I just don't see this team as it stands right now making the playoffs. Look at the Eastern Conference. I did some season preview work on other teams this this uh, this week, and a lot of teams have gotten stacked, man, stacked, or have, have gotten a lot stronger. Whereas I don't know if Inter-Miami's gotten stronger. They've gotten younger, but are they stronger than they were last year? Maybe. And if so, minimally so, but, you know, we'll see. Obviously, Inter Miami's banking on the the collective and the sum of the parts being more than the individuals. But, you know, in a league like MLS, over 34 games, you need some star power uh, or some offensive firepower and some difference makers, uh, multiple, to, to really to really change things up. Look at Atlanta United. Just, just look at their attacking quartet, just for an example. They have Joseph Martinez at striker. They have... Uh, Tiago Almada as the 10, who they just signed to an MLS record transfer fee. And then on the wings, they have Marcelino Moreno on the left. And they have uh, Luis Araujo on the right. That attacking quartet is, might be the best in the league. But obviously, Atlanta United is just one case. But again, Chicago, Shirton Shakiri, There's, I think a lot of teams have gotten a lot better in the East. And I don't know if Inter-Miami has. But that's our preseason prediction. Also, you know, also remember, you know, Inter-Miami have been dealing with the financial you know, restrictions and stuff. So, that, you know, that's... Never touched on that, but that's that's obvious, isn't it? So that's that's part of it, absolutely. But the bar, Chris Henderson said it on day one when I asked him, is the playoffs. And, and Phil Neville, when I asked him, uh, in our, at the end of our of our interview, he said, "This team has to win. This team has to win." And he's not shy of, or he's not going to be a coach that's shy of saying that and wanting to win. So that is the goal for Inter Miami. We'll see if they do it. Jose and I don't think they make it. Steve Brenner does. So we'll leave it there. That is our first segment. We still have a couple more segments to go, but they will be much, much shorter. We will preview the game against the Chicago Fire very quickly, get some insight into Inter-Miami's opponent, and we'll do the Q&A session after that. So let's take a quick break, and we'll return very shortly. Then then you're talking about the bigger picture. Uh, This club has to win. This club has to win. This is not... This is not your normal club. This is not your normal club. In England, we have this saying about where do you want to go on your holidays? Do you want to go to Blackpool, which is a little seaside resort, or do you want to go to the moon? This club is this club is the moon. This club, you look at the facilities, you look at the ownership. This, the ownership want to win because they've won all their lives. So uh, for me, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna shy away from the fact that I'm a coach that wants to win. Uh, but I know that that, that 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 there has to be something in place for help us to win. Last year. Last year and the year before, maybe we didn't have the right right piece of the jigsaw together. Hopefully this year we do. 
Okay, everybody, we're going to preview Inter-Miami's game on Saturday night at home against the Chicago Fire at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And helping us to do so is a special guest, the Chicago Fire's play-by-play commentator, Tyler Terrence. Tyler, thank you so, so much for joining us on a busy week ahead of the first kick in MLS. How are you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, I am excellent right now. I'm I'm counting down the minutes until I get to uh, leave this BS cold in Chicago and get back to sunny Fort, uh, Fort Lauderdale, baby. I'm I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so you're looking forward to the nice warm weather in the game on on Saturday, then, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been grinding in preseason. You know, it's been a long five weeks weeks or so. We did Orlando, um, then Austin, and uh, we're looking forward to the to the first game of the season and uh, hopefully spoiling your uh, your 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 season opener and your home opener for 2022. Well, speaking of that game, let's just jump right into it for. Miami Total Football Radio listeners out there, what can they expect from this Chicago Fire team? We know that there's a new big star in town, but in general, overall, what will this group uh, provide as a test for Inter-Miami on Saturday? You know, that's a good question. And, and part of the answer is I don't really know um, because we, you know, we have a, a new head coach in Ezra Hendrickson and an entirely new coaching staff. Um, and, and we've made a lot of big changes to to big spots on our rosters when it comes to, you know, obviously the DP and Jared and Shakiri. Um, you know, we have a new center back that replaced Francisco Calvo and Rafael Chihos, who um, who played in the Bundesliga. We you know, we, we just have made some big changes to our roster. Casper Shabilko up top. Um, so, you know, this is this is an unknown entity to to, to some extent. Um you know, everything that Ezra Hendrickson has been saying in the press is entertaining football. We want to keep the ball. We want to press, you know, and and, and most coaches will, will go ahead and say that maybe with a few exceptions of somebody like Gary Smith over in Nashville. And you know that, you know, they don't necessarily want to keep the ball or, or play pretty football, but they just want to defend and, and make life difficult for you. But, um, you know, for the fire. I think you're gonna you're going to see an attractive brand of football, and and it's gonna run through Jared and Shakiri. I mean, you don't go and spend seven and a half million dollars on a guy to to not play through him. Um, and the Fire have sort of been waiting for this attacking DP game changer. Now, when we brought in Bastian Schweinsteiger in 2017, it was a little bit different. But now with Shakiri, um, I think that the team is gonna go as he goes, and you know he's coming in with the right mindset. It's a World Cup year for Switzerland. Um, so, you know, if he's if he's 100 percent, you know, I, I think that he could end up being one of the biggest players in MLS this year. Well, and, and that's that's the question. Hi, Tyler, by the way. Hi, Jose. Uh, it's good to talk to you. Um, that, that's the question that everybody is, is is asking in South Florida. We've been talking to players during training this week about Shakiri. Um, how ready is he to contribute to this team? You know, he, he mentioned that he hasn't played a game yet, but that he's ready to go. Yeah, I mean, he he played his last game for Lyon against Marseille um, about three weeks ago, uh, probably closer to a month ago now. But um, you know, he's been he's been staying fit ever since he stopped training with Lyon, and the prospect of the transaction was starting to come to fruition. So I, he's ready. I mean, I saw him in training today. I saw him in training back in Austin. He didn't play in the preseason uh, finale against Austin FC. But he's, he, you know, as, as far as I'm, as far as I know, he's ready to go and there's nothing holding him back from a fitness standpoint, um, you know, with regard to injury or anything like that. It's just a matter of whether or not Ezra Hendrickson is going to pick him for the 11. Maybe he wants to go, you know, maybe he wants to bring him off the bench and, you know, let somebody who's been playing the system more often. But 
it's anybody's guess as to as to whether or not he's going to be in the 11. But as far as being ready, I, he's, he's about as ready as he's ever going to be. He's he's fit. He's buzzing. He's got a huge smile on his face. He's happy to be here. Um, and, and he's going to play some sort of role on Saturday. You know, we'll just sort of have to wait and find out exactly what that role is going to be. I have one more question for you, because, you know, we, we have been talking about um, formation here in South Florida and, and we expect Inter Miami to be a defensive side, you know, just to. Uh, they don't have a lot of firepower other than than Gonzalo Higuain. Um, do you think Chicago is ready to to dictate the tempo of the game over the weekend to have possession? Are they a good team with the ball, which is you know it's something that I think Inter Miami will be facing a lot this year. But when it comes to Chicago, a team that had a lot uh, a, a turnover as well, just like Inter Miami from last year. Do you think they, they will be able to take on that responsibility on the road or they will have a similar mentality in terms of, you know, being well organized defensively and then look for, for counterattack opportunities? We, we want to be on the ball. I mean, Ezra has made that, um, you know, abundantly clear during his uh, during his media availabilities over the past, you know, few months or so. Even when he got the job back in uh, late November, early December, he was making it very clear that, you know, we were, we're a team that's going to want to keep the ball. And, and you know, and, and if a team like Miami at home is going to give us the ball, then we'll happily take it. And, and, and the tempo and the rhythm is going to be dictated by Gaston Venice. And, you know, he's, he's a guy who played extremely well in 2020, not so much in 2021 due to injuries, international duty, and really just didn't have a good year, but, you know, he's going to be playing in the middle of the field and acting as sort of that piano player. Um, and, and, we are comfortable on the ball with him and it's just going to be a matter of how quickly we can move it, how quickly we can make you guys move. Um, and then being able to find the likes of Shakiri Shabilko in space and with time and, and, you know, on point to be able to deliver. So um, I, I think that we're more than comfortable to be on the ball. Uh, Rafael Shihos is, is an excellent possession center back as well at the left center back position. So, you know, this is, this is a team that I think is built for possession and, you know, we'll just see what it, what it's going to look like because at the end of the day, you know, I can sit here and say we want to keep the ball and that we've looked good in preseason and the whole thing, but there's nothing there's nothing like an MLS regular season game until you actually play in it. And we have, you know, a couple of guys who are going to experience it for the first time. So we'll see see what it's going to bring. Tyler, I, you just beat me to the punch on the next question a bit there, but I wanted to ask what other players should Inter-Miami fans, either at the stadium or watching on TV, keep an eye out for? Which which are the danger men, besides Shakiri, which we know obviously from his time in Europe is, is capable of making the difference? Um, so, the, you know, the first one that comes to mind just because he's going to be, you know, at the at the top of the attack is Casper Shabilko. You know, we got him for about one four million dollars in GAM from the Philadelphia Union. Shabilko has been the, you know, the third leading goal scorer in the league for the past three years. Um, so it, it's it, it's one of those ones where the, the fire were very savvy in, in getting him and not having to use a DP spot for our number nine striker. So he's somebody to keep an eye out for. Obviously, you played against him, uh, you know, when he was at Philadelphia. Um, Rafael Shihos, I already mentioned, uh, uh, just like a general. He's 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 a leader's leader, and and he's going to organize the, you know, the back line for the fire. And he's been excellent during preseason. And another one to keep an eye out for, you know, and he's it's a little bit more subtle to his game, and and he's not going to have the impact that Shakir is going to have. But on the defensive side of the ball, Federico Navarro. Um, and I don't yeah. believe you guys got to see him because he came in um, late last year. And I think we had already played you guys, you know, at my, you know, in the three-two game, we'd already played you at Drive Pink at that stand, at that time. But he's a bulldog in the middle of the field. He's 21 years old. Um, you know, we bought him for a hefty, a hefty transfer fee, and he is he's going to break up everything in the middle of the field. 
So he's another one to keep an eye out for. And I think that the midfield battle between he um, and Jean Mota and as well as, you know, Gregory is going to be really, really fascinating to watch on Saturday. So that is the last question we have for you, Tyler. What do you think is the key to the game for the Chicago Fire? What do they need to do? Obviously score goals, try not to, to try to prevent them. But in terms of the actual matchup, what is the key to the game for the Chicago Fire to come away with, if not a win, at least a positive result in the season opener on Saturday? You know, I actually think, Franco, that it's it's similar to what we saw from them last year, too, and it's defensive transition. Because under Rafael Wicke, it was the same thing. We wanted to keep the ball, we wanted to have it, and we wanted to play this pretty style of football. And that's all well and good, especially when, when your outside backs are, you know, basically acting as secondary wingers. But we were just too, too exposed on a number of different occasions last year. And, and knowing how you guys are going to set up and how you're going to want to hit us on the counter and getting Gonzalo in you know in time and space and, and having him drop deep to sort of overload the midfield and then using the pace that you guys have out wide and whoever it might be um it's defensive transition I think is going to be the key for the fire and and breaking up those moments where it looks like you guys might might have something cooking um and be able to sort of organize and, and scramble to be able to make defensive plays and, and not allow you guys time and space on the counter listen that's a very Miami. <laughs> Listen, if Philly it's, a Miami. Report. Miami. it's a good scouting report. It's a good scouting report. He's in trouble. He's in trouble, man. He's in a lot of trouble because that's exactly <laughs> what they're doing. You just said it. I'm, I'm just telling it how it is. I'm just telling it how it is. And then, I mean, listen, you guys basically gave away the game plan. You guys are going to sit in and try to hit on the counter. And, you know, Ezra's made it, you know, pretty clear that we want to be on the ball. So I think that, you know, just and, and, and you hear coaches talk about this all the time, you know, whether it be City, Liverpool, Pep, Jurgen, you know, it's 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 defensive attacking and it's and it's being able to organize yourself even when you have the ball and anticipating sort of preparing for, the, you know, preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. You know, you hope that you're going to put the ball in the back of the net or that you're going to be able to do something where the ball's over the line and maybe it's a goal kick or whatever. But you need to prepare for the fact that, like, you might give the ball away in the middle of the field or you might give it away in a bad spot and you need to go defend. So that's that's just sort of how I'm seeing it. Okay, Tyler. Well, look, thank you so much for taking some time and joining us here to preview Saturday's game. I know TV people are full. Their schedules are full of stuff and they're always busy. So we really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Where can people find you if they want to follow you and they want to follow your work a bit more? Where, where can uh, Miami Total Football Radio listeners follow Tyler Terrence? Um, well, I'm not going to try to pronounce my R's like that, uh, but you can follow me at, <laughs> follow just, me at TN Terrence, uh, T-N-T-E-R-E-N-S um, on Twitter. And then I also have a podcast with um, Arlo White, who is the voice of the Premier League on NBC. So we talk all things Premier League and Chicago Fire and MLS. Um, so that's called the Intercontinental Football Show. So anybody who's feeling, uh, you know, feeling a little Chicago flavor or wants to, you know, hear about their favorite Premier League team, then, then head on over there. But uh, gentlemen, thank you for having me. And listen, Franco. I would do anything in the world for Jose Armando. I'll tell you what, man. That 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 you got you got a good dude right there. You know, he might not be the best looking, but he's but he knows what he's talking. About. <laughs> Jose Jose actually backed out of a bet, but we won't we won't dive into that because we've already talked about it on the podcast and we've taken up a lot of time. We've, we we he backed out of a bet, so uh, I'm not too high on him right now. But I appreciate again <laughs> your time, uh, and we will talk again. I'm sure later on in the season. So thank you again, Tyler. Thanks a lot, Franco. Thanks, Jose. Alright guys, it's Q&A time. 
got a bunch of questions. We'll only get to a few so as to avoid going way too long. But before we do that, we officially saw the Heartbeat kit, the new pink home jersey from Inter Miami. It was officially announced on Saturday, this past Saturday, or officially unveiled this past Saturday. Quick thoughts. Steve, I know it's your favorite topic, so quick thoughts on the jersey. It looks nice. Looks, it's different, isn't it? It's different. You'll, you'll always know an Inter Miami team when they, when they run out because no other team's going to be wearing that color. So um, nah, it fits with the, with the vibe of the, of the club. I think it's cool. Jose. Nah. Nah, I didn't like it. <laughs> I'm so addicted <laughs> to this podcast, man. I've I've, I've been negative, but I, I just don't like it. I just don't like it. I think, you know, they should use a little bit of more color. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I don't like the the, the all pink set. I, uh, no, that's not, not doing it for me. I like it as a as a jersey. I think it's nice. Not a big, huge fan of the retro collar style that they, they had on it, but I like the pink look. I think it could have used a little more black. I agree with you, Jose, that... I mean, I don't dislike the all pink. I think it's not a bad look. But I think it would look better and it would pop more with black shorts. Avoid the monochromatic look that has been overused and overdone throughout uh, throughout the world of soccer. And that's obviously been a FIFA thing, but we can jump into that at, at a later later point. Um, but I do like it. I do like the, the jersey. Um I read a piece, I forget if it was the Miami Herald or Sports Illustrated, but you know, part of the, the rationale behind being all pink as opposed to maybe having black shorts is that the team wants to be very identifiable when you see them on TV. Like that's that's their strategy, that's their brand. They want when anybody sees just all pink on TV or in any highlight clip or in anything to know automatically to start ingraining it in their head that it's inter Miami. So I think the the all pink is here to stay for the foreseeable future, but I, I would like to have seen black shorts at least on occasion just to, just to mix it up. And I do think overall it's a better look. Just look at the preseason preseason uh, kit in general from top to bottom. I think that that's that's a good look. Anyway, Q and A session to to begin, and the first one is from Lucho Lalo, and I think this one takes a little bit of thinking and a little bit of respond uh, a lot lengthier response here. But he says. Who is that newly acquired international slot for guys? Is it Vega, Ronaldo, Neymar, Messi? Maybe takes Matuidi's spot in the summer. Hyped about Saturday. Want everyone out there. We're going to beat Shakiri and the Chiquito Fire FC. He also says, follows up and says, is it or is it maybe for Griezmann? Maybe another Englishman in the in the Premier League. Who is buddy with Bex um, or maybe Bale from Madrid? So Inter Miami traded for a roster slot on Tuesday. International roster slot with Atlanta United. They sent $200,000 in general allocation money for that. We haven't touched on that, so I will do so very quickly there. And who is it for? I don't have any inside information on that, but my supposition, my sensation is that it's for Harvey Neville because we asked about about Neville and whether he would be signed to Father Phil at a press conference, and, and you know Phil said that they were working on getting his green card. Didn't say outright that they were going to sign him, but he said they were working on getting his green card. I imagine if that's still the case, if he hasn't gotten his green card, that they're going to try to sign him and use that international slot on him. Because Inter Miami is at its, at its limit, so that's why I had to get one more. So I could see it being Harvey Neville. Inter Miami does not have cover right now at right back. It's DeAndre Yedlin and nobody else really. So I think it's for Harvey Neville. Steve, who do you think it's for? Yeah, I mean, I just from... from personal experience getting a green card can be a lengthy process uh even so more so maybe within the last sort of couple couple of years so you know it's kind of something that doesn't happen straight away i don't know um 
I, I guess, yeah, if, if, if the green card hasn't arrived by now, which it clearly hasn't, then it just, it, that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Unfortunately, they haven't got the money to get Griezmann. Not yet, anyway. Jose, who do you think it's for? Yeah, I think I think it's for a player. I, I, it makes sense what you're saying, but I, I don't think it's related to a big name. And listen, unfortunately, this, the team is still hanging on to that thought that, you know, all superstars will come to Miami. Obviously, that to blame the ownership uh, for, for saying so many things early on. But no, it's listen, it's 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 a brand new team. Really, this is not the team for superstars right now. And so I, I agree with you, Harvey. It sounds like, a, you know, the, the the reason why they did that. And 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 hopefully that's the case because I think he had a good preseason. Yeah, I, and again, I will reiterate the fact that I think, well, I'm of the belief that they don't have cover at right back. Besides Yedlin, if Yedlin goes down, who's the, who's the next man up at right back? I mean, Chris, Christopher McVay was yeah. talked about playing yeah. as a right back, but, but with the injury to Ian Frey, can you afford to have Christopher McVeigh on the right and then have another center back in the middle? I think they're spread too thin now with the loss of Ian Frey, so I think it will be for Harvey Neville. Also, note Ryan Saylor, the first-round draft pick, was signed earlier this week to a, to a one-year deal with team options afterwards. Obviously, again, in it's it's a byproduct of, of Ian Frey going down with an injury and the team needing more options at center back. Now, let's jump into the next question. Goalkeeping, it comes from Juan Pablo. Goalkeeping situation. Is Marsman healthy to start? Do you think Do you think Diop made a case during preseason to be the starter? I will start here and I will just say that we saw Marsman walk off the field at training on Tuesday and I believe, I believe he was still, he was holding a brace in his hand. He has resumed some physical activity with the team, but I still think, not inside information again, but I still think he's a bit of a ways off. I think Diop absolutely will be the starter on day one. I don't know if he'll be the, the starter long-term, but on day one this weekend in Chicago Fire, Diop will be the, the guy. Steve? Yeah, no, I think Mars was the number one. I don't think he did too much wrong last season. Look, looked pretty solid. His distribution was good. So I think he's the number one. And then um, but if Diop has to come in uh, early doors, then, then so be it. Jose? Yeah, Marsman's a starter, and there's no reason to rush him because Diop is actually a, a good goalkeeper. So he's a very good backup. So uh, yeah, I think that uh, goalkeeping is not it's not a problem for for Filler Inter Miami right now. One more, and comes from. Let's see, let's see. Don Cafecito, and I like these. These are two sh- short questions, or they they'll require short responses. So we'll just do it. We'll knock them out really quickly. Over under. For Iguain this season, 10.5 goals, 8.5 assists. Also, out of 34 matches, Inter Miami had seven clean sheets last season. Will they improve on that number this year? So, Jose, yes, over uh, over or under on Iguain stats, and yes or no on more than seven clean sheets? Uh, I would say um, yes to the second one, and um, the over under. I think, yeah, he'll get more assists, but I don't see him getting more than ten goals. If he, if now, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this clear: if he continues to play as a, as a number ten, as a playmaker, which is something. Well, that's, that, but that has to be taken into consideration in your analysis here. Like, if you think it's going to happen that he plays as a nine, then you have to take that in because obviously we don't have a crystal ball, as Steve said. But you have to take that in consideration as a possibility and analyze that because. 
you know, obviously we don't know. We don't know, but that's why we're doing our, our predictions here. So Okay. All right. If, if, if you want me to say it that way, then I think, yes, he'll score more than 10 goals because after five or 10 games at the most, if Phil is able to convince him to move back inside the box, then he'll score. So, yeah. Don Cafecito, I don't know what he does for a living, but maybe he works as a bookie or he's in Las Vegas somewhere because those numbers are actually pretty good. They actually make you think. It's not super easy, especially with the goals department. So, uh, I will say over. He's my, I picked him as the MVP, so I will say over on both. Definitely on assists. Goals, it might be right there, but I definitely think on goals, he. I mean on assists, he, he gets over there. And, and goals, I will say yes as well. And as for uh, seven clean sheets or more, that's a tough one, man. Uh, will they improve on that number? No. No. I, maybe they get seven, but I don't think they get more than seven. Uh, Steve, you're up. I, I, because he takes penalties, I just think that he'll probably score more than, than he'll assist, yeah. Good point, good point. Uh, and kicks as well. But he needs 8.5 assists as well, so do you see him getting both? Yeah, over well, 34 game, what is it, 34 game season? Yes. Um, yes. Okay, yeah. all right. Even and, if he's going to be going mad and going crazy, still do it. <laughs> and seven clean sheets, uh, more than seven clean sheets, yes or no? Uh, I mean, look, you've got to look, I mean, it's out of 34 games, you can't keep more than, 10 clean sheets it's a problem isn't it so yeah so you think yes they will get more than seven yes okay jose i don't think you yeah. answered that yeah i did i did yeah i said yes okay. yes they will. Okay. they will i mean they are that's that's the forte of this team so i think they they're they'll have a lot of scoreless draws i will sneak in one last question it comes from gabe p he hasn't asked the question in a while so let's sneak this one in should noah allen start the season as a starter, I think he should based on the last two games. If he does, he'll be the revelation of the year since he could own that position at 17 years old and be an academy player. All this is hypothetical. Can't wait to be back on Saturday. I will say, should he start Should he be the, start the season as a starter? I don't think so. I don't think he's there yet. I think he's on the way. And I think in 2023, it could be his year where he really starts. But he's still very, very young. So that's, that's part of the reason why I don't think he'll be a starter this year, although he could make his debut at some point, you know, uh, on loan from Fort Lauderdale uh, CF. Do any of you have anything to add to that? Um, I would say, I would say one thing. I would say one thing. You know, Breck Shea and Karen Gibbs have been injury prone lately. Absolutely. And that will open up a path for him. That will definitely open up a path for him. And especially when you're playing with uh, a five man backline. I think it could become a Christian McCoon situation in which he might not be ready, but you know, having experienced players around him might help him, and and he might be able to get a start every now and then, and 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 have good performances. So I wouldn't, I'll say he he might be. I agree with you that he he his year will be twenty twenty three, but he might be someone that we see often in in twenty twenty two as well. Yeah, I absolutely could see him starting some games this year if, if things play out like they they did in preseason at one point when Kieran Gibbs went down and Breck Shea wasn't around he, he'd be the next the next player up unless Jovan Jones recovers from from his injury so which he's back in South Florida by the way and you know I, I saw him in, in training and he is back still recovering from the the knee injury he suffered last year but anyway that does it for the Q&A session do you guys have any final thoughts you want to add because we've talked a whole bunch we've said a lot about the team Steve, anything you want to add there for your final thought? No, not not really. Just uh, it's crazy. The season last season doesn't feel like it's only it's only just finished, and then it's you know it's it's kind of back again. But um, no, I just let's hope it's just a bit more 
positive and they can just really have a go at it and, and give the fans something that they really, you know, really want because the support has been great and it's just that the product on the pitch hasn't been good enough, has it? So, um, yeah, it's a, a positive story is always, well, a negative story is always better than the positive story, but no one likes to see the team lose. Everyone wants them, you know, to do, to do well. So, let's see, yeah, good luck to them. <laughs> Jose? Yeah, I have one final thought and I do this almost every year since Inter Miami. Well, this is only the third year, but I, I do it every year because, you know, it's it's just a reminder to everybody. You're going to talk about Miami FC. No, 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 Miami <laughs> FC. Next week, though. Next week, next week. I have stuff <laughs> Miami FC next week. Uh, uh, just, just a reminder, you know, for, that, you know, having a, a season opener this weekend is something that we all really should enjoy. It wasn't too long ago that, that we were just watching on TV when MLS um, started the season. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of fans that have been through you know, tough times in South Florida with not professional um, soccer. Well, at least at the MLS level. So, um, you know, it's I, I get it that, you know, get the frustrations of the game and when things are not going well. But still, you know, uh, having a team is something that, you know, we, we really missed for a while. And, and I'm just happy and glad that fans get to enjoy the, the first day of the regular season with all the excitement that comes with it. They get to you know, probably they'll get to see um, Shakiri on his first uh, game. So, you know, that's excitement. So just enjoy. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the weekend. Have fun. My final thought <laughs> My final thought will be on something I touched on at the beginning of the show. And is that I am still, 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 still very disappointed in Jose for not taking me up on the bet. Jose, really, really, if you think... Ariel Lasseter should, is going to be a regular starter. Then you should absolutely take twenty-five starts. Clearly, if you don't take that, if you don't take that bet, it shows to me that you don't think he's going to be a regular starter on this team. That's you what you really mean. thought you were going to break me down by saying it on the pod, right? You really thought <laughs> no, absolutely rules, are rules I, and you have to follow them. No, so no, twenty-two no, no, no. games. See, I gave you one more game. Twenty-two no, games. There's no it. bet. There's no bet, which is unfortunate because we were going to raffle off a jersey. Uh, well, the loser was going to raffle off a jersey to a Miami Total Football a Radio listener at the end of the year based on whoever lost. But since Jose will not take the bet, he thinks Ariel Lasseter is going to be a regular starter, but he won't take the bet of 25 starts out of 34 games plus anything that happens in Open Cup or in the in the, in the the postseason. Well, then that clearly to me shows that he's not that confident in Ariel Lasseter being a regular starter i said he'd be a spot starter so that's why i'm not going to give you those those preseason starts but anyway there's no well, bet now, that's the final that thought the terms now that the terms are on record uh, i will demand for you to buy the jersey for our listeners when addy lassiter plays his 25th game of the year all right so it's on no, record. No, so it's if, if it's not, uh, it's I'm not t- preseason doesn't count. Preseason doesn't count. No, it's, you're, you're giving up false hope because it's not going to happen. I'm not taking the bet because you're clearly not going to take, you're not going to pay up if he doesn't get 25, but you count your preseason game. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's just a bit of banter to end the show. Guys, if you're heading out to the game on Saturday, enjoy it. As Jose said, we will be back next week to analyze, dissect, and talk about a game that matters for points. We will probably have a lot of heated debates depending on how it goes because we've done a lot of agreeing more or less in preseason. But once the games get going, I imagine we'll have a lot different uh, ideas. So 
Don't forget to follow us on all our social media channels. Again, the Gonzalo Higuain and the Phil Neville interviews, they will be up on the YouTube channel as well as in a piece in the South Florida Sun Sentinel on Saturday. So if you need some pregame reading, make sure you grab a copy of that. For Steve Brenner, for Jose Armando, I am Franco Penizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio. We'll talk to you guys again very soon.